Welcome to the Government Technology Insider podcast series. I'm your host, Matt Langan. Robotic process automation, otherwise known as RPA, is changing the way that the public sector works. By automating tasks throughout agencies, RPA is slashing budgets and improving output. And in this podcast, we'll be speaking with Michael Grace, who is the co-owner and CTO of Vertical Apps, which is the leader in the RPA realm, pioneering RPA in a box. And Michael Pascal, who is the program manager for robotic process automation at U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, who will discuss really how RPA is transforming work at government. And Michael and Michael, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Matt, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. This is awesome. Yeah. We love talking about this, so let us know if we talk too much. Uh, no, there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. No, it's great to have both of you here today. And let's start at the top, really more on the vertical apps side. So, Michael Grace, if you don't mind, tell us a bit about vertical apps and your programs and the solutions that you offer to agencies. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. No problem. So, yeah, Vertical Apps is a company that's about 12 years old. We're located in Arlington, Virginia, pretty close proximity to the district. This day and age, we're hyper-focused on the federal government, and really, we work in three primary areas, right? So one, think of it as your modern software development, DevSecOps, Agile, leveraging the cloud and a lot of the newer open source technologies that are available now to the government, which is great. The other area that we're pretty heavy in is data. Anything data-related, you could think data strategies through analytics, starting to dip our toes into some machine learning and modeling from that angle. And then lastly, and I think most importantly for this particular conversation is having intelligent automation. We've really, really hyper-focused on that for the past 18 months. I'd say probably 40% of our staff here at Vertical Apps, our developers are all you know, UI path certified developers. And we have a real heavy company culture on you know, how can we take RPA and really become experts in bringing that to the government, which, you know, the government agencies that we work with tend to be pretty large organizations. I know people like to talk about, you know, Fortune 500 and, you know, one of my big beliefs, there's no corporation in the universe that's bigger than the United States government. So, you know, helping them out really presents some pretty large scale challenges for us. Yeah, that's awesome. And perfect segue. Tell us about some of the work that you are doing on the RPA side in terms of government as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we got really lucky. We were actually using our data skills in helping stand up the brand new chief data office at the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, of which you know I've had Michael Pascal come join me here, who is a member of that organization. And You know, what we did, you know, after standing up this office that was very centered on data sharing and really getting value out of data, especially when you're looking at things like bringing in immigrants and naturalizing them or giving them work benefits, it's a very, you know, data-centric organization. What we also uncovered during this was there's still a heavy reliance on a lot of paper and manual processes that people are still following in order to take these applications and adjudicate them with all this information that comes in. So together, you know, we had heard about RPA. Like I said, I think we started this about 18 months ago, and it was really, really new then. I mean, there was a little bit of RPA showing up in, you know, chief financial offices primarily around the government. And we thought, hey, what if we looked at automating some of this case management? And, you know, together we decided to take this program from the ground up and just take it from the enterprise. 
And what's been lucky for Vertical Apps as a corporation is everything that we've learned and been able to establish in that one environment at USCIS, we've now you know, been able to templatize everything and turn it into really an offering that could work for any agency in the government. And so we're just you know, we call it RP in a box. You mentioned it earlier, and it's a collection of processes that are proven. We live those every day today. And all of the documents and design procedures that we know, you know, help produce a resilient robot. At the end of the day, we have all those out of the box that we can bring to any organization. One other thing I'll point out, and this might come up later, pretty sure that nobody else in the market has been able to do this, but we've also established a true DevSecOps pipeline for the development and delivery of these bots to the end users. And, you know, we could always talk more about that, but that's been something that's garnered a lot of attention. That's awesome. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. Now let's hand it over to Michael Pascal. I mean, we'd love to hear your take on, you know, these projects that you've been working on. And obviously you've been working hand in hand with vertical apps with this RPA in the box concept. So we'd love to hear your take on really this project and all that good stuff. Well, you know, it's pretty cool because I think that in general, RPA is fairly new to the government, right? This automation capability is something that we're really realizing what the power of it is. And what we found in this relationship is just working together. I benefit that Vertical Apps brings a wealth of knowledge in terms of just data and technology, but just understanding of how things work across the federal government. I mean, this isn't your first contract. You guys have worked across DHS. And what we've seen working together is that a lot of the same, there are a lot of common issues among the government that we're looking to overcome with RPA. Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the big examples you found pretty early was, you know, even the common HR issues, right? I know we spent a lot of time, yeah. you know, working with your HR department, but I know you've been, you know, contacted from all over the government. Yeah. It's like, it's funny because everybody's got an HR shop. Everyone's got a procurement shop. So why don't the RPA, you know, these bots look similar across the landscape of the federal government? And this is where we start to highlight the synergy, this collaboration between industry and the government, where we can kind of look at it holistically. You know, at our agency, we have at CIS, we have this enterprise approach, which has been like a great idea that was put forth by our CTO, Rob Brown. And, you know, what he wanted to do is our goal was to make sure that everyone had access to this capability. And on our journey here, we're finding that, you know, more impressive than just building out an army of bots, we're really bridging the gap between systems. We're able to modernize a lot of opportunities and technology without having to overhaul a system. We can use the bots to fill in the gaps. Yeah, I mean, if I recall correctly, I think, you know, it wasn't more than a few weeks ago where you and I were talking to uh, Customs and Border Protection. And I remember we showed them, I think, one of our bots that does... It helps automate the time reporting yes. and the managing of those time cards. And I think they even asked you flat out, can they have your bot? <laughs> oh, yeah. And the immediate response is absolutely. Like we're all in this together. You know, you get this community where you're sharing those ideas. That only helps to promote it. And I think, I think one of the things that we've noticed is some of the challenges with indoctrinating RPA is, you know, I'll say security, and I'll use that as a blanket term because there's the technical security, and then there's the job security. Yeah. You know, people from a job perspective, people are scared. Are these bots going to take our jobs? And we've really found like, no, these bots are really going to be able to help you guys augment your work and fill in the gaps. At CIS, we work with a lot of systems and transfer a lot of the same data between those systems. And honestly, that's kind of frustrating as an, an employee. So to be able to 
automate that and make sure that it's consistent so that you can focus on making the critical thinking aspect of it. I think that kind of shows that instead of taking jobs, it's more about bridging the gap between systems. And then there's the security aspect of it, right? Like how do you, I love this. You have this concept that you explained to me well was this idea of the highway that we're building, mm -hmm. right? If you want to do RPA, how do we do it at the enterprise level and do it consistently through a repeatable process and make sure that everyone has access to it? And you talked about the pipeline. And I think that that helps really... enable that a lot. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the funny things too, about your point about people being worried about job security, and it comes up a lot, but I always chuckle because I know, and CIS is not alone in this and this isn't anything negative, right? But they have more work to do than they can get done with the current staffing levels they even have today. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of times I try to explain RPA to people, especially in the government, it's absolutely not about replacing people. But frankly, from what I've seen for the last, you know, 25 years in the government is much of the government's overworked, right? They have way too many, you know, applications to process. I mean, I think if you looked publicly, there's a, you know, several month wait some folks wait years, right, to get their citizenship approved. And, you know, we're really hoping that automation, when it's really fully adopted, it's become, you know, this digital workforce is ingrained in these agencies that I think at the end of the day, they're just going to be able to get more done. And hopefully people are happier. I 100% agree. I think it's also going to be a skill set that a lot of people are going to have. It's going to be a secondary skill set. It's going to be pretty akin to the way that, you know, people were kind of nervous about going into Excel yep. and then they were building their own homegrown macros. And what we're doing is, you know, here we're making it so that we know that people reuse a lot of the same processes. So why not make that available to everybody? And I think that's the benefit of managing it at the level that we are is everyone has access to it. Absolutely. And I really like your Excel example because, you know, as a chief technology officer myself, I could have, you know, I could think of a CIO listening to this cringing thinking, oh man, you're going to unleash another version of Excel, you know, in my organization where you need to have Sally. She's the only one that knows how to work this workbook. And without her, the whole business is going to fall apart. It's a good circle back to our, that DevSecOps pipeline that we've talked about. You know, those are kind of technical words, but at the end of the day, what we're aiming to do is standardize how bots are developed in the organization so that the robots, when they're done in this sort of standardized fashion, they can be more easily maintained and managed by other people because we know people come and go, take new jobs, and you don't want to end up in this sort of maintenance nightmare right. where no one knows what the robots do. Well, there's the old adage that, you know, what happens if Michael gets hit by a bus? Right. Well, or good wins thing. The lottery. Or, yes, <laughs> yes, even more benevolent, right? Well, it's all managed in the cloud. All these yeah. automations, they're available to everyone. They can be reproduced and deployed to other computers. Exactly. I mean, I think that's the beauty of making it accessible so that everyone can use that. I see just the way that automation is going. There's a lot of cool stuff that's kind of untapped in terms of the capabilities of it. You know, being able to understand the value that each of those automations brings. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I think ROI is a big part of it, too. We could get into that, too. So, Matt, I don't know. We kind of meandered around a little bit. Did we no. hopefully we answered your question? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I love this. This is like a true panel discussion here. It's fascinating to hear you both talk about this here in real time. This is phenomenal. I don't want to shut the books on this too soon. So if there's anything 
more that you want to discuss, perhaps a few minutes of ROI before we do our last future focus question. I'm totally. Yeah, I think that was a good topic to hit on, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know, Mike, you, you've gotten some requests now from your leadership for that. We're going to have to expose some good numbers to justify all this great work we're doing. Everyone loves visuals, too. Right. So how do you give some good numbers to justify the work that we're doing? And I think we truly have the most fun job in all of USCIS. Yeah. So, so I'm kind of protective, like, don't take it away. All right, let's prove our value. Yeah, How do we do that? Because we want to keep doing it. That's right. So I think we've got some really cool ideas of how we're doing that now. Again, kind of melding the automation in world and data world together. What we figured out is when you're designing a robot, you go through and you watch very closely and you observe the manual processes that you're about to automate and essentially take out of the hands of the human and turn over to the robot. But the good thing is by going through that process, we've identified all the time that it takes a person to do each step of this process. And, you know, by using very public information around how much does it cost a government worker of a certain grade to complete a task and if there's some error in that task, right? Humans get tired. Mm-hmm. Maybe they miss a deadline. Maybe they make some mistakes. What are the consequences data. of that? Exactly. How much more does that cost in both time and resources to fix those mistakes? And then we can compare that essentially one-to-one with when the bot's running and we're monitoring it. We can see how long it takes to run. We can see how many errors it takes. And we have a great mathematical answer there as to how much money are we saving essentially yeah. by running this bot. Well, well, you know, not many people know. I used to actually have a green belt, you know, not a physical one, but a little Lean Six Sigma experience. Uh, and big. I remember the big push for process improvement. And this really leans into that because not only are you improving a process, sometimes you're kind of transforming the way that it works, right? To still accomplish the same functions. And being able to understand the delta, you know, the difference in terms of what was being done manually and how many, the opportunities, the risk, we're not only we're improving the process, we're buying down risk. And now we're starting to understand what that impacts across the agency. Because, I mean, we got a lot of smart people and a lot of the time they're doing a lot of manual work. So to automate that and then to say, okay, let's take a look at it holistically, right? You know, because we measure this, see our center of excellence is the enterprise model to see it from the top down, right? This yep. God's view. So to see a dashboard in real time, that shows you how much time you're saving on each bot and then tie that to a dollar figure. I mean, you can show that the program itself could effectively, I don't know, justify itself by its return on investment. Yeah, that's the hope. That's the goal. I think the other area that you touched on there with that as well is what else can you then do with, with some of that money that's being, quote, saved? It's all about reinvesting it back in the process. I mean, the federal government doesn't run on for a profit. Right. So as a citizen of this country and, you know, we want everyone to be good stewards of our tax dollars. It's always great when you can give, you know, a hard evidenced database report that says, hey, we invested you know, this much money in this technology and it's yielding us all this extra money that now we can do a whole new program. Right. right? Or let in a whole nother batch of, of immigrants into this country, which is a great story. Well, it's awesome also because. It encourages our stakeholders who are participating. At CIS, if you want to be doing a RPA, we consider you part of our center of excellence. Like you're in the family. And this also gives them something to take back to their leadership to show, hey, let me go to my SES and tell them how much we're saving. Like our HRIT partners, 
they've been awesome. And they, they've been able to show how much time and money they can save. And that only encourages more growth, right? Absolutely. And what they're looking to do, I think they had like 15 people that they wanted to get trained. And we, yeah. we were able to set up an environment so that they can get them hands-on training. I think what RPA yeah, does is a great job of offering you know, a curriculum yeah. for if you want to become a developer. Yeah, UiPath in particular has been very excellent about providing really that sort of free curriculum to go through. And it's very hands-on, right? You build your own bots, you go through these exercises. And, you know, I think the big challenge we found, and others out there listening from federal agencies might get this, there was that silly blocker of like, well, how do we get the software laid down on the, the yeah. user's computer? And, you know, using our, the cloud technology that we're so comfortable with, we're like, hey, you don't have to worry about it. We can provide you virtual machines. You can spin those up, use them for training, and we'll kill them when it's done. And, you know, you guys can move on and let the next person go. And so that was a pretty successful model as well. You're, and, you know, hitting on that, you're hitting on some of the challenges I think the government faces in general with something that's so new. And it's moving quickly, right? Literally, in terms of the automation and just figuratively in terms of the momentum that RPA is gaining. I think it takes a little bit of the risk. It buys down the risk. And it takes a little bit of the fear away, you know, and the next step is once you have people who are trained, we're using a lot of uh, attended bots mm -hmm. and, you know, there's a big sense of concern that, you know, what if these bots go rogue? Well, so what if the individual goes rogue, right? Like <laughs> right. if somebody wants to download a bunch of data, they're going to do it, right? The automation is just representing the same actions that a human would be doing. Exactly. So I think it kind of takes the stigma away to understand that while we're tracking the performance of these bots, in terms of how often they're run, how fast they're running, you know, the actual time and mm -hmm. like the dollar figure. We're also understanding which individuals are running these, right? Absolutely, because every action that the bot takes, it's all cataloged and audited just as if that person were doing it, yeah. same as, as any normal operation. I think some of these concepts have been more difficult for people to grasp because like you said, I mean, the technology is moving quickly, the industry is moving quickly. Well, like seeing is believing, right? Yeah, I think, that's exactly I think the benefit right. is, is that we've been able to kind of, even just working with other government agencies, we've been able to show them and demonstrate to some of their teams, this is what it looks like, okay? Yeah. Like riding the bike isn't as scary. And like, at one point, you're going to be riding with no hands, you know? And, you, and, you, and you're going to think back to the days when you were worried about going down without your training wheels. That's it's kind true. of, it's kind of cool too. And people pick it up quickly, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, they do. And I think the last area that it's a newer one that's really surfaced itself, you know, the government has been very focused on all these large scale system transformations and they focus heavily on UX, right? The user experience for end users in the government now, where I think, you know, back in the day, you're talking, you know, for me, it wasn't that long ago, but in the nineties, you had these big, ugly systems that people were using and everyone complained about it. And they were slow and they would crash. Mm -hmm. And so now there's this new, you know, there's been this wave of, all right, let's retire all these old systems. Let's make some new ones. But you know what? Everyone who works for the government is also a customer of Amazon, right? They're used to pulling up an app and being able to select things and things being very intuitive. So that's been a challenge to the government contractor industry to say, all right, we need to start producing systems that essentially have the same form and function that you find commercially. Yeah. Well, that's expensive and that takes a long time, Right. And I think what we found is RPA is such a cool way to sort of bridge the gap from going from old systems to new systems, because a lot of what we can do is automate users interacting with user interfaces. Mm -hmm. So when you have a system that's just ugly with all kinds of fields and buttons and tabs, we can build automations now that leverage an API 
that can basically take that burden off of the human being having to deal with these systems, give it to the robot, and then they can focus their time on helping what this new modern world might look like. And to me, there's nothing wrong with a robot being temporary. They don't have to last Oh, 100%. And you know, how do you make that happen? Right. I think the benefit is we've been pretty fortunate that we, we've got a pretty awesome team. We like we'll brag about them another time, but they're pretty awesome. Like they're <laughs> hands on down in the dirt. And like, I mean, that's why we have the most fun because we're going out. We're saying, hey, you look like you have a problem. We can solve it. <laughs> we can okay. fix it. Okay, yeah. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. <laughs> and I think, you know, what I'm getting at is it takes a team. Like, I think the most you're going to be more successful if you have a team to support because you can really distribute the workload. It shouldn't be just one person's burden to bear. And that's really what these automations, these bots do. They help share the burden of the individual. So our team, you know, we're organized in a way that we can send out people to our human capital and training team, to our procurement team, to our operational folk, our CFO folk, and we can help them out and help build out those automations. And if other people want to become developers, then our community just grows. And I think that's when you start to see how all of these systems across the agency kind of contribute to each other. And now you have the people understanding that also through this automation. Yeah, and I think that's also the cool, you know, link between kind of the contractor and the government, which is, you know, we look at ourselves as one team. And so it's like, you know, we've got contractors and it's not just vertical apps, could be other companies that are out there as well. They're helping their individual groups. But all these individual people, whether or not you're a federal employee or you're a contractor, but you go through this training and you join our COE, you're just another, you know, RPA practitioner and you can help shape the governance model. You can help improve everything every day. Oh, 100%. You know, we've created a repeatable process to develop automations and the feedback that we get, because let's be real, there's plenty of models that could work. Mm -hmm. We found what's worked for us here. Yeah. And people, I mean, we've gotten some feedback and some people are like, hey, we love it. You've simplified this. I mean, I think we've simplified it to the point where we did a presentation to bring your kids to work day. Oh, I remember that. And was I think fun. The, the biggest challenge was, is like, how do we make RPA sound cool for some kids? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to be able to show them, you know, you have a bunch of chores to do. And at the end of the day, you still need to be able to get your homework done and be a kid. Right. It's like, all right, let's make sure these bots can help you do all the manual, repetitive, mundane tasks so that you can go back to really going and just being in it, you know, a kid. Yeah, being and creative and being in there. Absolutely. That's yeah, awesome. So- Really good stuff here, guys. And in many ways, you kind of answered or you talked about a little bit in my last question here, you know, about the future focus. You mentioned having almost ubiquitous use of RPA across government. The community grows, that kind of stuff. But I won't put words in your mouth, but I will throw out the last question here, which what is really the future vision of RPA for government? And we'll start with Michael Grace on that one. So I see it really going in two directions. I think it's been sort of synonymous. People think about when you hear RPA, they'll start to think about things like artificial intelligence and machine learning. And I think that there is a lot of power when you start coupling those concepts together with automation and you can really, you know, speed up the decision making that has to occur in really critical use cases that that the government deals with. And then I think, you know, the second area It's really a culture thing. I think that, you know, Mike and I have talked a lot about this idea of a digital supervisor, right? And it's, can we get a federal workforce that is comfortable with really having 
digital employees, right? I mean, robots that they sort of manage and watch and really approve the actions that they're taking on a daily basis. And I think a combination of those two items are really where I think we're looking in the future. What do you think? Oh, I think absolutely. From an RPA perspective, that's, I think you nailed it on the head. I'll add from, you know, we've interacted in these communities of practice. Mm -hmm. And I think from a federal perspective, I think just sharing the knowledge and information Sometimes people get nervous. They don't want to walk into salesy meetings, right? So I think we offer two good approaches. If you want to understand, you know, what industry can do, like we have that experience now, you know, having been over a little over a year, what, like a year and a half. Year and a half or so. Um, and then also, if you just want like a, an honest approach from someone, you can, you know, we have now that the federal government's starting to kind of embed this in their culture, you can say, hey, what was this like for you? Honestly, like, Tell me your challenges. Everyone wants to stick their chest out and, and act as if everything went smoothly and easily. But I think we've been pretty honest with everybody in documenting our challenges and kind of helping them to work through it. And I think it offers an honest perspective, you know, to so that other people can see what their brother and sister agencies have done. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I think some of the use cases that we even see, you know, there's always, especially if you're looking at the intelligence community and areas like that, there's a lot of data sharing that has to happen, yeah. right? And you sort of need this comfort level to say, you know, okay, we don't, you know, nobody wants to be the person that's digging up these reports and preparing them and then sending them off to the next agency. You know, nobody wants to be, you know, called at two o'clock in the morning. They need a name run check or something like that to happen. And we're looking at this thing. Hey, you can automate all this, right? You can sit down and you can agree you know, what the rules of engagement are going to be, when are these systems going to be available, how much load can they take, and you can have an agreement where this stuff's automated now. So really, it's like the people who need information in a very urgent fashion can rely on this automated network of robots to help get them what they need instead of burdening all these people and really disincentivizing the sharing of information. Oh, absolutely. I think it's even, I think it's getting so widely known that I think even this in the president's agenda going forward to, you know, kind of introduce more automation opportunities. I think so. And I know that with, you know, the security challenges we've been facing, in fact, I know Matt and I were joking about that before we started this podcast. There's a lot that can be done in the security, cybersecurity realm that RPA can really help with, yep. especially when you look at things like the ride-along AI ML technologies. I mean, being able to do intrusion detection and things like that, I mean, that's a huge, huge area that a, um, RPA can help with. That's going to be, I'm excited to see that. That's going to be a lot of fun going Pretty forward. cool stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's all really good stuff and appreciate your all's time today. This was a different vibe from most of our podcasts. This was actually truly a panel discussion here between the both of you and a lot of fascinating stuff covered. And with that, I'm just going to take us out with our little closer here, guys, if that's okay, unless there's anything else to add. No, this has been a lot of fun, no, Matt. Hopefully good. you'll have us back on again sometime. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And this concludes this Government Technology Insider podcast series episode where Michael Grace, who is the co-owner and CTO of Vertical Apps, who's a leader in the RPA realm, pioneering an RPA in the box offering, along with Michael Pascal, who is the program manager for the robotic process automation at U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, joined us today and had a deep dive panel discussion about how RPA is truly transforming government as we know it. And Michael and Michael, thank you so much for your time today. All right, man. All right. Thanks for having us.